Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Well, good afternoon. Depends on where you are. This is Kim, and this is Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And again, we are here to challenge you to live and think for yourself and not convert you. Yeah, I kind of switched that up a second time, but it's the same thing. So <laughs> how's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing well out there, and I'm doing great. So thank you for, um, you know, I've got inboxes and emails, and I just want to thank you all again for the words of encouragement and just, you know, checking in. So, um, again, like I said, I appreciate all that you've done out there today's show. Um, I titled it, I'm Just Asking Questions, right? And so I want to talk about respectability politics, gender politics, tone policing, oppressive, you know, political oppression, political repression, you know, just a number of things. And we're going to talk about those. And we're also going to talk about the CPAC atheists. And we're going to talk about political grandstanding and all of this. And so Raina should be joining us shortly. So um, it should be an interesting show today because, you know, the original intent of this show what I had in mind, you know, been mulling it over the past few days. And, eh, you know, you know, we'll talk more about it because my mind has changed in a lot of different areas. But anyway, before I get started, I have to make this statement so I can clarify and some things. Basically, I did a show a, show a few weeks ago, and there were a couple of people, I guess, who were you know, uh, had issue with it. So let me say this. The viewpoints and opinions of mine are just that. They're mine. And they're not reflective of any organization or person that I might, may happen to be affiliated with. Okay? So people need to understand that this show is separate. This is my show. And it doesn't fall under any of those other organizations. So I just wanted to make sure that you all understood that. But in regards to that particular show, again, I had it set up in the restricted section, and I gave a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. If you ignore that and continue to listen, then you want it to be offended. I'm not responsible for your feelings. And I'm not going to allow you to project that on me. And I'm still not sorry. And I refuse to apologize. So I just want to make sure I make that real clear. Okay? So, because I'm always talking about, you know, taking your agency on this show. You know, I I talk about agency. And, you know, I find it interesting because, you know, I'm being put in a position whereas, you know, people are trying to, you know, question you know, my intent. And again, that goes back into the respectability politics and tone policing, you know, which is the reason why I selected certain subjects today. And so, again, you know, it's interesting because we talk about respectability politics being bullshit and how, you know, it shouldn't play a part, especially over here in the secular community. But it does. And you have people here that are trying to force that, you know, on others, including me, and I refuse. 
because I talk about it quite a bit on this show, and I just refuse to be subjugated to it. I will not submit to respectability politics. And so if you're upset or disappointed with that, oh, well. You know, and we also have the issue of gender politics, and that's played in this community also. And again, I will not submit or subjugate myself to that, nor will I submit or subjugate myself to tone policing, political oppression, political repression, because that's what's happening. So, you know, again, the more you all try to box me in or force me into a corner, that's why I put that video of that cat up with the lady kicking the snow at the cat, and then the cat finally attacked her. That's what you're doing to me. And I'm telling you now, you need to stop. So anyway, you know, it's interesting, especially when I feel that some of these people are, you know, basically responding to, uh, you know, someone, you know, responding to, uh, (laughs) again, this respectability politics and the tone policing. I mean, what's interesting is, is that they're submitting themselves to open extortion, open blackmail to someone who's been harassing and bullying people, namely me. And I'm not going to apologize for fighting back, period. And if you have a problem with it, again, that's you. That has nothing to do with me. I will not take ownership of your feelings and your thoughts or your perceptions. I'm just not going to do it. Those are yours. This community is not a monolith, and what I find interesting is there are people out here who try to make it seem as though it's a monolith, that we all get along and we all have the same goals and issues and and agendas, and that's not true. It's just not true. You know, this is not a utopia, and it never will be. And, you know, I am not going to sit here and subject myself to being silent because, you know, it makes you uncomfortable. And what I find interesting is when I've critiqued black men, white men, nobody said anything. But when I critique a black woman, oh, my goodness, you know, you know, just all hell breaks loose. But nobody is putting this in context. You know, they're not looking at this. I've been dealing with this issue for three, four years, and I think I've been incredibly patient, but not anymore. I will continue to fight back. I will not bite my tongue about it. I will continue to critique anybody I choose on my show. So I just want to make sure that that's understood. This is my show. So anyway, so today, like I said, we're going to talk about respectability politics gender politics, tone policing, oppressive and repressive politics, and much more. And I'm not sure if you all are familiar with this, but American atheists went to CPAC again this year. Now, remember last year we talked about it, and I've talked about it, you know, throughout the year about these CPAC atheists. And they went again this year. This is the second year. So, of course, we have something to say about that. So it, it, it will be interesting. We'll get to that. But I'm using a lot of different terminology today, and what I wanted to do was to take my time and to explain, you know, what these concepts or the terminology, you know, and let's start out with respectability politics. 
So I'm going to take the, the definition of this from Gradient Lair, which is Truman's blog. And, you know, I just love this blog. Anyway, it says here, the politics of respectability originated as cultural, sexual, domestic, employment, and artistic guidelines or rules for racially marginalized groups to follow in the effort to be viewed as human in a white supremacist society and by individual whites. Some of the most noticeable manifestations of the politics of respectability occurs among black people because of the history, the humanizing, um, the humanization because of slavery. And so it says here, the politics of respectability implies that recognition of black humanity was to be earned by black people by engaging in puritanical behavior as approved by white supremacy, behaviors that white themselves don't have to engage in to prove humanity because of white privilege. They're always viewed as the default human. So, uh, you know, um, talking about that, you know, putting that in perspective and with what I've been dealing with <clears throat> and just gender, you I mean, respectability politics in general. It's interesting, the double standards. So when it comes to, you know, people of color, even in this particular community, you know, it, it's like we're held to a different standard. And even within our particular insular group here, it's as though we're being held to double standards. And, again, you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. It is. And that's why I'm bringing it out because it's like, you know, we talk about the secular community, and I've talked about how it's built on white supremacy. Okay, and let me clarify something because someone said this online and people are getting mixed up. I'm not saying that you know, this atheist movement is a white supremacy movement. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that this movement in this community is built on white supremacy. There is a difference. And so, you know, what's interesting is, although, you know, people in this community claim that, you know, it's different over here and you're accepted, that's not true. We still have yet to deal with the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, transphobia, all of these issues in our own community. Yet they want to point the finger at everybody else. And the same thing is for the LGBTQ community, you know, with them scapegoating the black community, the black church, but they have yet to deal with the racism, <laughs> the sexism, you know, the male privilege, you know, in, in all of these issues in their own community. You know, so this is why I'm laughing, because especially when I, again, you know, contrast or do a comparative analysis of the secular community in the church, I'm saying the same thing. You know, you better not say anything about pastor. You know, he's a good man. He's a good, you know, and, and it's just interesting because you're seeing the same thing over here. Well, don't say anything about A, B, C, D person. You know, just don't say anything about them. No, if they're spreading this information and, you know, engaging in behavior that, you know, um, <laughs> is not good for the community, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to call it out. And I don't care who likes it or not. I just simply don't care anymore. So let's see here. Let's let's give some examples, you know, because, you know, respectability politics 
in and of itself is divisive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Point blank. It's just divisive. And so I'm on hood feminism now. And basically, you know, giving you some examples of, you know, what <laughs> what they have here, um, you know, it says, you know, uh, you know, respectability politics dehumanizes black people, especially women. Funny how that works. Because, you know, uh, you know, it's a number of examples here, but one example they give is Sarah Bartman. Now, for those who aren't familiar with Sarah Bartman, she was an African woman that was held in captivity. Remember we talk about these human zoos, how they used to have the human zoos in, in Europe and, you know, many other places. But she was, you know, held captive um, in, in, in that particular um you know, cultural, I don't even know what to call it because it's like it shouldn't be human zoos. But um, basically she was held captive, you know, like she was a circus animal, and she had to perform. And she had to perform for white people. I mean, you've seen some of the pictures. You saw the little black kids walking through, and the white people were handing them, you know, bananas and fruit. And it's just, it's, it's Wow. You know, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, if you all ever heard the terminology for hot and tot, that is where it came from, you know. And so you need to be aware of this history. And, you know, it's a number of examples they're talking about when um, the fan, you know, um, smacked Beyonce on her, you know, behind. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting, you know, um, but Beyonce stopped. And she checked the guy that did that. But, I mean, it's examples of it, you know, every day. And so, you know, another example here, respectability politics suggests that only certain black people are even worthy of respect to begin with. And you're seeing that. You know, you see that all over the place. Um, and again, you know, I have to point to the secular community. Because, you know, it's just really interesting, you know, some of the things that are playing out over here. And it's just, it's interesting, you know, um, I refuse to be a part of it. I just absolutely refuse to submit and subjugate myself to that. I'm not going to do it, you know. But, you know, some examples of when, you, when these young men are being told to pull their pants up and, and black women are told to keep their legs closed, <laughs> you know, just, all of these, you know, I mean, I remember in the Chicago Defender, and the only reason why I remember is because we talked about it on the show. I wasn't born at the time when, you know, these things were happening. But, you know, they practice respectability politics because every week they would, you know, publish articles or, you know, publish articles telling people how to act, telling people that they should, you know, shower or wash regularly and, you know, behave certain ways, you know, in front of, you know, white people. And it's just, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we always talk about, you know, how things are coded in our community. And <laughs> NPR has, you know, a really good series on that. And, you know, get familiar with it, you know, um, the way that, you know, we wear our hair. Because, I mean, even in corporate America, you have some people who do not want to, you know, they want to go natural, but they won't because they feel as though it would be unacceptable in their corporate environments. And, I mean, there are a number of other examples. And, 
<laughs> you know, and it's just interesting. You know, um, they were telling people how to wear their clothes, the type of clothes that should be worn, how their hair should be done. And there are many examples even in this community, and it's just interesting. But, again, as I said earlier, we're not a monolith. And to try to give off that perception that we are and that we all get along and that we all are on the same agenda and are all on the same path, that's deceitful. It's a lie because we're not. And I, for one, will not co-sign on bullshit. I'm just not going to do it. And you can't make me. And so it's just really interesting. Um, And, guys, I'm just saying, just get out here and get get yourselves familiar with it, Um, with respectability politics. I mean, even with the protesters, the Ferguson protesters and other protesters, you know, across the country. You know, they're dealing with respectability politics as well. Namely, um, you know, I'll give you one example. When they had that march in Washington, D.C., that Al Sharpton claimed was his civil rights march, right? And so he made different promises, you know, to the Ferguson protesters. They were told that they would have a platform, that they would be able to speak, so on and so forth. And so on the day of the march, they were pushed to the back, and they were not given, you know, um, um, the ability to speak. You know, they weren't slotted. And, you know, they protested against it. They said, you know, they called it out for what it was. It was just a show. It was just pomp and circumstance. And, you know, they hopped the stage, and, you know, they took the microphone, and they called it out for what it is. I mean, there have been many articles since then about, you know, Al Sharpton and, you know, his political grandstanding and his, you know, uh, his, his, his way of being able to take these tragedies and make money off of it. As a matter of fact, Eric Garner's um, daughter was talking about Al Sharpton. It was a New Yorker, and she was talking about how he was just about the money and, you know, it's just it's a video out there. I'm going to have to post it. I, I didn't post it for a reason. But there were different people talking about Al Sharpton and how his group, the National Action Network, um, how they were demanding that their logo be put on the signs and that people acknowledge, you know, his, his, his little nonprofit group there. And it's just really interesting how it all is playing out. And... You know, I want you guys to go out and take a look, take a really good look at this. Because one thing that I must say is, you know, those young people out there, you know, like I said, I definitely have to, you know, give them a lot of credit. They were not there, and they're still out there. They're still marching. Just because it's not being, you know, posted over and over and over again, that does not mean that they've stopped marching. They are. They're still out here. They're protesting. As a matter of fact, Governor Walker, Scott Walker, over in Wisconsin, you know, he called the protesters, uh, he compared them to ISIS. And what's happening in Wisconsin, if you all aren't familiar, uh, there are these disputes about the union. They're trying to bust the unions up. Um, You know, they're protesting about the pensions, just a number of things. 
So, you know, they have, you know, that going on. And, you know, I've, I've forewarned you guys, and I've been telling you to pay attention to the terminology and to the language. And these peaceful protesters out here, they're being called low-level terrorists. And I told you that's 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 where you know it's going to turn. It's going to basically turn the people out here who are marching and fighting for you know equality and parity and you know uh, recognition and all of these things. They're being turned into the enemy. So they're being called terrorists. And I've given you some examples. And the examples you know of the Black Power movement, civil rights movement. You know, again, this goes back to, you know, political oppression and repression. And I'm going to define all of these things. I haven't forgotten. It's just kind of all tying in here. But, you know, um, some of the young people that were, uh, you know, marching and fighting then, what's interesting is they turned around and they redefined um, schizophrenia in the DSM. And so that is when you started seeing more people of color being labeled as schizophrenic because, you know, again, why would they, they have it good here in America. Why would they want to change it? And so you hear, you hear people saying that even now, but initially with schizophrenia, that was, you know, for white people, namely artistic people, you know, bored housewives or what have you. you know, and again, those are stereotypes also. But what I'm saying is the definition changed. And so, you know, they try to add, you know, people that are angry or, you know, it's, it's just interesting. But, you know, I want you all to go back and, and look. You know, I talked about this book called The Protest Psychosis. And, you know, it talks about it and it gives examples and it tells you about what's happening out here. And so, again, let me go ahead and, you know, define some more of these things um, so that you all can kind of have an understanding what I'm talking about. And so, you know, I'm talking about gender politics or the politics of gender. And what that is is essentially the difference between men and women in a given society with regards to rights, entitlements, and obligations, a broad-ranging subject encompassing a historical perspective, for example, the suffragettes and the U.K. fighting for the right to vote for women, and also that same movement was happening in the United States. Fiscal issues such as differential tax rates, <laughs> um, the right to political representations, inequality in pay and promotion, and you know uh, different obligations to the family. You know, uh, you'll hear people say, "Well, that's woman's work," or you know, "That's what men are supposed to do." You know, um, even with FMLA, you know, there was some you know uproar about how, you know, women were able to take um, time off when they gave birth to a baby, but the fathers were not. And so it's just interesting because that's one of the things that Barack Obama did. He signed that bill for pay equity for women. So, um, again, go back out and learn about these things and have an understanding, but most importantly, understand you know, how it plays out in your everyday life and how, you know, there's certain things that people just automatically expect of you. And, again, you know, a lot of this plays into um, a way of thinking for some people. And so I just want to give you a few examples of, you know, gender inequality or, uh, 
you know, uh, gender roles or what have you. And so when we talk about these things, you know, most of us, you know, especially if we're based here in the U.S., you know, we think about what's happening here. But we have to start thinking globally. And that's one of the things that I can appreciate about this community is because we're hearing perspectives and seeing stories from people all around the world. And it's important. And, again, you know, our last show we talked about Islamophobia and xenophobia. And so, you know, most of the examples I'm going to give you are about people across, you know, in other countries. But even in this country, you know, depending on what religion if you're in or certain beliefs or what have you, you know, it even applies here. You know, so in certain countries, women are, you know, forbidden from driving. And so it was just interesting because, you know, particularly in Saudi Arabia, you know, there were some examples that were published and we saw women driving cars. And, you know, I had some friends that were Muslim. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, at one point in time, you know, I kind of studied um, under this one group. And what I used to find interesting was the couples that were married, uh, basically the women would sit in the back seat and the men would be in the front seat driving the woman around. And so I would ask questions about, you know, why was that so? And so it was just interesting because I was labeled a troublemaker then because it was just interesting. One young man, he was like, Kim, when you get married or if you ever get married, that man is going to have a time with you. It's funny, but he meant that, and he knew it. So it was just you know, you got to think about it. Even with the clothing requirements, this is another example. Um, you know, in certain parts of the country, in certain religion, in certain, you know, cultures, you know, women cover up, you know, because of the requirements, you know, of, of that particular religion or culture. And, you know, what's interesting is I've read some articles and some of these women talked about, you know, why... They Some of them actually enjoy dressing like this, which is fine. But they were talking about how they took offense to how some people would, you know, especially if they were here in the United States, and basically they would have people walking up to them telling them, you know you don't have to dress that way over here. And so, you know, it's just it's interesting, you know, how all of this, you know, uh, transpires, you know, you know, some of them, you know, they wear burkas and all, and I'm just sitting here because, you know, I look at this and I see a lot of these women and, you know, a lot of these outfits are beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And if this is their culture and, and or their religion, who are we to tell them that they should stop, you know? So anyway, the right to divorce. Now, that can be in foreign countries, even in this country, because, you know, you have different laws in different states. You, in some states, you know, you have to be separated for at least a year and attempting to reconcile before they will even grant you a divorce. In some countries, you know, women just are not, you know, allowed to divorce. You know, the husbands can divorce divorce their wives, but the wives cannot divorce the husband. So, um, you know, and then usually when the wife is given access, you know, to divorce, you know, it's like the requirements are extremely stringent. And so, um, 
it's just interesting. Um, another example of that is even in this country with certain religions. You know, I know in some Christian um, denominations, you know, the women are told that they cannot divorce. And if they do divorce, they can't get remarried until that first husband has died. And so it's just really interesting because some of the examples of that is that you have women that are, you know, being beaten in some of these relationships. You have women in which, you know, uh, it turns into an unstable environment in which, you know, they have to turn over all the finances to the husband. He may or may not pay the rent or the mortgage. He may or may not, you know, um, you know, take care of the responsibilities in which, you know, she's expecting him to. And, again, this is due to, you know, different religions and certain expectations. And so, you know, I've seen this. I've seen pastors tell women to not divorce their husband and not to leave him, even though they were being beaten and battered, not only physically but emotionally and psychologically. And so, you know, you see a lot of this, and it happens all over the world. And so, you know, this is another example of it, you know, access to education. And, you know, you all saw the example of the young woman, and I forget her name, but they 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 shot her because she wanted to go to school. And it's just interesting. I think she won the Nobel Prize, too. Um, and I forget her name. I apologize for that. But, again, even over in um, Africa, you know, you had the Boko Haram, when they went and they basically kidnapped all of those young women from school because they did not want them being educated. You even see that in this country here. Um, you know, I've seen some things, you know, from some hotels, and, you know, and I've heard a lot of things in which, you know, um, I've even had men say to me, you're too smart for your own good. And, you know, it's just interesting. I had a friend who was a Jehovah's Witness. You know, they were raised in that particular religion. She was brilliant, smart, 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 smart. And she had the opportunity to go to school with a full scholarship for engineering, but her father would not allow it because they did not allow the women to go and go forth in education. And so, um, you know, later on, about, you know, five, six years later, I heard that she went on and went to school. And I haven't seen her, I haven't talked to her in years. But I just wonder, I wonder if her father relented and allowed her to go to school or was it a broken relationship? Because, you know, with Jehovah's Witnesses, they will excommunicate you. But, you know, even in this country here, you'll hear some men, you know, um, griping about women going to school, and just because she got her education now, she feels like she doesn't need me. And you'll hear things like that. And you'll hear things like, you know, they'll they'll make fun of women who are independent or, or women that say that they're independent. There's just so much respectability politics going on and the gender politics is intertwined. I mean, there are intersections here. And this is why, you know, we tell you all, so go back, you know, and, and, you know, there are many examples. I mean, even with custody rights, you know, we've seen examples of, you know, people who would be in this country, <clears throat> excuse me, and they would be from a different country, and they will have a child 
with a U.S. citizen. And then we, you know, and then they've taken the child back to their home country and taken the child from, you know, whether it's the husband or the wife, but the American citizen. And so there's been a lot of controversy over that over the years. And, you know, just go out and, you know, take a look, you know, sexual subjugation, you know, a number of things. Um, and so, okay, here's Raina. She's with us now. Hey, Raina. Hey, I was in the queue. I guess you didn't see me, so I had to text you. But it's all good. How are you? <laughs> well, you know, I was just talking about, you know, some extreme examples of um, gender politics, you know, and I mm-hmm. talked a little bit about respectability politics, gave some examples, and now I'm about to hit up tone policing because, you know, this is my favorite here. So <laughs> I'm taking this from UrbanDictionary.com. And so when it talks about tone police, it says tone police are people who focus on and critique how something is said, ignoring whether or not it's true. Let me say that again. Tone police are people who focus on and critique how something is said, ignoring whether or not it's true. And I just find it amazing. Because, I mean, I think we've all been in that position. It's like, well, I don't care if it's true or not. I don't care who did what. You just don't talk to folks like that. Why not? They've been talking to me like that. But that's okay, though, right? And so it's interesting because, again, coming from this definition here, they will discard a true statement simply because they don't like how it was presented. And so, you know, they tend to be intolerant of any statement that isn't couched with empty platitudes and butt-kissing while thinking themselves a model of tolerance, you know, while they, too, are also hypocrites. And so, but um, here's an example. You might be right, but since I don't like how you said it, I demand you apologize. Right. You know. And so, um, you know, another example is tone police is identified when a person, preferably a male, with a large structural, you know, tie to intimidate a person or group of people with his, you know, anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. You know, it's just, it's, it's interesting out here. And, you know, there are many articles, and I like this one meme. It says, Kitty is sad because you're mean. And so, you know, it's it's just interesting because, you know, again, you know, um, looking at it from my perspective, you know, I'll read this here. And it says, it's cruel and ridiculous to expect a person to be calm and polite in response to an act of oppression. Marginalized people often do not have the luxury of emotionally distancing themselves from discussions on their rights and experiences. Tone policing is the ultimate derailing tactic. When you tone police, you automatically shift the focus of the conversation away from what you or someone else did that was wrong and onto the other person in their reaction. Tone policing is a way of not taking responsibility for fucking up, and it dismisses the other person's position by framing it as being emotional and therefore irrational. But being emotional does not make one's point any less valid. It's also important to note that by tone policing, you not only refuse to examine your own oppressive behavior, 
but you <clears throat> but you also can blame that on the other person because they were not quote unquote nice enough to be listened to or taken seriously. And here's the other part of it. I'm, I'm reading this from um, in this article on Groupthink on Jezebel dot com, and it says tone policing assumes that the oppressive act is not an act of aggression when it very much is. The person who was oppressed by the action suddenly is no longer a victim, but is victimizing the other person by calling them out. But anger is valid. Anger is valid. Anger is important. Anger brings social change. Anger makes people listen. Anger is threatening and anger is passion. Anger is not counterproductive. But nice is counterproductive. Nobody ever, nobody was ever given rights by politely asking mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Politeness is nothing but a set of behavioral expectations that is enforced upon marginalized people. Hmm, funny how that works. What's mm-hmm. your take on that, Raina? I I agree with it. <laughs> if you can't tell, I mean, but um. <laughs> No, um, I definitely agree with it. I mean, there's, um, I feel like, I feel like much of what we call politeness, you know, not all of it. I mean, I, we're human beings, so you know, I think that our default position should be to treat each other with some respect and some tolerance, right? That doesn't mean right. that every every person's behavior, every person in every circumstance is worthy of respect, because sometimes they they're disrespectful, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I feel like our default in general should be to respect one another. But um, some of what's regarded as, you know, um, polite, you know, not talking about like certain topics or expressing your opinion or, um, you know, I think um, I think one time, um, so, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like when, when people of color are confronted with, um, with white people who, um, you know, engage in various types of microaggressions, right? It is right. usually seen as impolite or not, uh, you know, not um, re- or not respectable, right? To correct that person in a, a lot of times, and so but, it, it, what it does is it ends up silencing us. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And That's right. it 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 causes anger and resentment, you know, and a whole bunch of other things. So it's just, um, I think it's just really a matter of the circumstance that you find yourself in. Not all things, um, you know, call for being polite and wearing a nice smile. Um, because uh, people of color, we're just not in the same position from a power perspective, right? So our rights and our our views are not always tolerated or respected, and you know a lot of racism and and privilege high masks itself with civility. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So. so yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, I agree with it, and you know, I'm just sitting here, you know, and and you know, it's like this: people have a right to have emotions. You know, it's bad enough that when we, some of us that were in religion, that some of the emotions that, you know, we would identify, they would be redefined and told you, well, that's not what you're really feeling because 
you know, you're a Christian and Christians do not feel anger or depression or sadness or, you know, any number of things. And so as you, when you get older, and especially if you break away from religion or you start looking at things from a different perspective, you know, there are people that are just starting to, you know, just starting to learn how to identify their emotions and not feel guilty if they're depressed and not feel guilty if they're sad and, you know, or if they're angry. And if we are to make any type of progress, you know, we have to understand that people have emotions. And that includes anger. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when, when you express your anger, especially if you're being, you know, oppressed and people are using oppressive tactics, you know, it's funny how, you know, the victim is re-victimized and the victim is blamed. And it's just, you know, I'm just laughing because it's like it's amazing. You know, and again, you know, as I state, stated earlier, I'm not responsible for your feelings. I'm not responsible for your perceptions. I'm not responsible for your translations of what I said. That's you. And you're not going to make me responsible. I'm not going to allow you to do it. And so that's one of the good things about, you know, being a part of this community and unlearning some things that I had learned over the years I've learned how, you know, to walk away or or as they said in the devil's advocate, she said, you know, we walk around with this burden like a bag of bricks or a bag of rocks, a heavy bag, when all you have to do is set it down. That's liberating. So, you know, what I am responsible for is defending myself. What I am responsible for is, you know, making a better life for me. What I am responsible for is coming up with topics, doing the research, and paying for this show. Okay? It's mine. And so, you know, I'm just sitting back, uh, and I'm not going to be complicit with oppression politics. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. And I'm playing by my own rules. Because when I played by other people's rules, it just got progressively worse. So that's that. So anyway, so, you know, more about, you know, tone policing. It usually only goes one way. Isn't that interesting, Raina? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, no one, I mean, no one's going to tell you that you sound too happy. <laughs> or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but it's just you know it's interesting because right here and this is from Ross' story, and it says even while the tone police cluck their tongues and accuse both sides of lowering the level of discourse, the only examples they ever give a crap about are the ones um, often straw examples of coming from the left, and so you know, and right here you know <laughs> it's interesting. Um, Ooh, all right, I didn't see the bottom part of this, but it's just interesting. But, yes, you know, there are a lot of silencing techniques, and um, it's just interesting. I'm going to send you this article, Raina. You're going to see why I'm laughing um, about this. And so um, it's just interesting. Like I said, you know, it's usually only one-sided, and, (laughs) you know, just because they – 
don't like, you know, how you said something. And we're just going to have to learn how to get over that. You know, people have different ways of expressing themselves. And that's just it, period. And so it's just interesting, um, you know, how all of this goes about. Let me give you a definition for oppression. Okay, so oppression is the action of oppressing arbitrary and cruel exercise of of power. And again, the action of oppressing arbitrary and cruel exercise of power. You know, the state of being oppressed, a feeling of being weighed down in mind or body. Um, the act of subjugating by cruelty, force, etc., or the state of being subjugated in this way, the condition of being afflicted or tormented, the condition of having something lying heavily on one's mind, imagination, etc. Um, again, the exercise of authority or power in a cruel or unjust manner, something that oppresses, the feeling of being oppressed. So, you know, there, there you go. There you go, and it's just interesting because some of some of the examples, <laughs> and I'm getting this from um, yourdictionary.com, and so it says, here you go, I'll define it again. Oppression is a cruel or unjust exercise of power. Minorities were historically subject to oppression by, the, by those in power, and unfortunately, oppression still exists today, and there are many examples of it. And here are some examples of society that says that women are the property of their husbands or fathers. You know, and we see a lot of that even in this country. I mean, you see the mercy killings. Um, again, in, in the and honor killings, another, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. What did I say? Mercy? Oh, goodness. Thank you. Yeah, you you're going yeah, to get people out here thinking that Dr. Kevorkian is killing women. Right, Right. so honor killers, my apologies there. And, I mean, even, you know, you you see a lot of examples of this. Um, You know, with certain cultures and religions, the father determines, you know, who their daughters are supposed to marry and get a dowry for that. Um, And, you know, even in the United States, you know, there was a point in time when they would not charge, you know, the husbands with rape, you know, because there are some men, husbands, that rape their wives. It's happened. You know, and I know of some people that are very close to me, you know, that that happened to. So it's just interesting, you know. Uh, And so just pay attention, and especially the ones where, the men say that the wives must obey them. And again, you know, you know, some of that comes from the Bible. You know, when we talk about a patriarchal system, this is part of what we're talking about here. You know, and so um, basically here's another example. A society exists where people of a certain race are denied opportunities and equality under the law. What do you think these kids are out here marching for and fighting for? And it's interesting, um, you know, one you know, one tweet from back then, and I talked about it, and this young woman was talking about how her grandmother was watching the news with them when, you know, the um, when the protests first began in Ferguson. And she said her grandmother was sitting there weeping, saying that they marched so that we wouldn't have to. 
And this is why I point the finger at, you know, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and a number of other people. Because what have you all been doing the past 50 years besides, you know, basically making people pay you to go away? Because that's their business model. When you make people pay you to go away, that's just, it's bullshit, period. And so, again, you know, uh, you know, go out, there are a lot of examples. Um, here you go, a society exists where people who believe in a certain set of religious teacher, teachings are considered to be inferior to others who accept the state religion. And so, um, again, some of that is, you know, with the Islamophobia, you know, um, you know, you have people who discriminate against the Mormons. You have people that discriminate against, you know, just a number of other people. You know, you'll hear people say, well, my religion is the true religion. And, you know, you have examples of people in this country that are trying to make Christianity, you know, the religion of this country. You have different people, governors and states, that are trying to make Christianity the state religion in the Bible, the state book, and just a number of things, and this is why we fight against this. This is why you hear us advocating for the separation of church and state, you know, but this is also why you see us out here marching and marching for racial parity and, you know, equality under the law. So, you know, there are a number of examples out there. Um, yeah, and I was talking about, you know, religious inferiority and all of that. And you even see that within the denominations of certain religions. You even see that in this particular community. It's interesting because for those of us that do believe in social justice, you have people in this community who have absolutely no interest in social justice, yet they want to call us social justice warriors and make fun of some of the, you know, issues that, you know, we take offense to or some of the issues that we're trying to bring to the forefront. You know, um, here's another example. The society is under the thumb of a cruel dictator. Anyone who disagrees with the policy of the dictator can be killed for sharing his opinion and voicing the disagreement. The people of the society who live under the dictator are oppressed. Interesting. And this is what I mean when I say living under open blackmail and open extortion. You see that even in the secular community. Because if you view, if you have a viewpoint that, you know, um, is the antithesis of what, you know, some of these so-called atheist celebrities feel, then you have people out here who want to punish you and want to control you and want to oppress you because you have the nerve to voice your disagreements. And this is why you hear me saying things like the way that I hear some people in this community quoting Dawkins and Hitchens and Harris is the same thing as what I hear when I hear Christians quoting the Bible. The way that I see Christians, you know, upholding their pastors, especially when the pastors are involved in predatory behavior, uh, misappropriation of funds, abuse of authority, and abuse of power. The same thing happens over here. Trust me, mm-hmm. it does. And so it's just it's interesting. Um, here's another one. A society is controlled by a small percentage of very wealthy people 
The wealthy people deny opportunities to those who are poor. The poor work for almost no wages and struggle to achieve a basic human standard of living, such as having food and shelter. The poor are carefully controlled by the oppressors and prevented from organizing or resisting the will of the wealthy. This is an example of a society where the poor are oppressed. And this is why you see people out here marching for the union. And, you know, um, as one young man who got angry with me because he wanted me to do a show on splintering the labor. And so it's just interesting, and that's why I used Scott Walker as an example earlier, because you have people out there protesting what he's doing to the union, the union busting, and it's happening all across the country. You all need to pay attention to that, and also the right-to-work laws. And when it says right-to-work, they're not talking about you have a right to get a job. (laughs) That's not what they're talking about. That basically basically means that they can fire you for any given reason or no reason at all. It is also Mm -hmm. a part of the mechanism to bust up unions. Pay attention to what's happening. I mean, even here in Illinois, um, they elected Rauner, Governor Rauner, and he's a Republican. And one of the, you know, issues here was a lot of the black pastors endorsed Rauner. And they defeated, you know, the, the, the former governor of the state. And it's just interesting because there were a lot of people of color that were really angry with them. But, you know, this guy is incredibly wealthy, and the first thing he did was start reversing executive orders that the governor, the former governor, made. Uh, This guy is cutting pensions. This guy is trying to bust up the unions um, and a lot of things. And I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at these, you know, black pastors that formed a coalition to support him, and I'm like, are you happy? Because what a lot of people don't seem to understand is that with a lot of these jobs, especially if it's a government job, that is really the only way many people of color have been able to, you know, um, get employment in, in certain instances. Because in the private sector, you know, they discriminate, but, you know, they may let one person of color in, then hire a thousand people that are not of color. So, but they can say they have at least, you know, one or two on their payroll. But, you know, that's happening in this country. You know, you hear about the 1%. And, you know, I'm sure many of you all are, you know, familiar with the terms of fascism and plutocracy and, you know, austerity. These are terms that you need to be familiar with and understand what's happening here. And this is why we had Occupy Wall Street. And, you know, we have people out here, you know, doing debt strikes. You know, there are people refusing to pay back their student loans. So, you know, keep an eye out, pay attention to what's happening out here. Here's another one. A society carefully controls the freedom of speech of all people. And so it says here the Internet is not accessible to the public. Certain books are banned and the media works for the state and is permitted to write only the positive news that the state allows to be printed. This is an example of a society where the people who are under the control of the authority are oppressed. You see that all over the place, too. I mean, what's interesting is is that there's this, you know, alleged black site here in Chicago, and mainstream media isn't covering it. 
they aren't covering. I don't know the if story. it's alleged. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty yeah. pretty apparent <laughs> now. I think we should right. just take the alleged part out of it. So, yeah, because they were oh, saying yeah. they were saying many many lawyers in Chicago have been aware of this black site for a while because they've had you know they've had um, clients you know if they can't yeah. find their client in Central Booking then more and then more than likely they'll be found at this black site exactly you know? exactly yeah and I mean it takes us all the way back to the days of John Birch and you know that was the um, police superintendent that, you know, basically authorized the police officers, you know, to beat men of color and just pick them up off the street, no rhyme or reason to it, take them to jail. Um, I had one uncle who was picked up, and they beat him so bad that when he got out, you know, I don't know, they did something happened to his lungs because he was throwing up blood. And, you know, a year later, he died. Mm. You know, and so, you know, I can give a lot of personal examples of a lot of these things. You know, um, one female member of my family, um, she finally got fed up, you know, with with her husband. And she went and stayed at, you know, her sister's house. <clears throat> Sorry. And she stayed at the sister's house, you know, because she just wanted to get away and was making arrangements to divorce him and get on with her life. And basically he came, he went over to the sister's house and kidnapped, you know, my relative, raped her. And, you know, he was an avid fisherman and he was getting ready to just gut her. She said she felt the heat of the knife going down her back, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. And so he went to jail for some time because of that. Um, And, you know, even that situation caused a lot of discord uh, in my family. And so in some of it to this day, people still haven't. And when did that happen? That happened in the early 90s, and we're still dealing with some of the ramifications of that particular situation. So anyway, um, just a lot of things. Here's another one. A society allows immigrants to enter its borders but will not grant them any rights, and I think this is self-explanatory. You see what's happening in this country and with the immigrants and how, you know, the Republicans are so angry because President Obama signed that, you know, immigrant bill last year, late last year. So, you know, it's just interesting because (laughs) this is nothing new. This is not new. I mean, even, you know, when we had indentured servitude or slavery in this country, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that there were times when, you know, the white workers would come on the plantations and attack the slaves because they wanted or needed the jobs. And so, you know, you even see that to this day where you hear people saying that they're taking jobs away from, you know, white men and just pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening out here, you know, and let me give you a definition for political repression. Political repression is the persecution of an individual or group for political reasons. 
particularly for the purpose of restricting or preventing their ability to take part in the political life of a society. And it says political repression is sometimes used synonymously with the term political discrimination. It is often manifested through discriminatory policies, such as human rights violations, surveillance abuse, police brutality, imprisonment, and voluntary settlement, stripping of citizens' rights, lustration, and violent action or terror, such as the murder, summary executions, torture, forced disappearance, and other extrajudicial punishment of political activists, dissidents, or general population. So, there's a lot for you all to learn. There's quite a bit for you all to go out and to, to, you know, kind of bite on. We have a caller, Raina. Let's mm-hmm. pull the caller in. I think this is Red Ninja. Is that you, Red? It sure is. Hey, Red, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? Hey, we're good. We're good. Did you want to weigh in on the topic thus far? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. Um, one of the interesting things about, um, you know, respectability politics and whatnot is, I don't know if you actually discussed this yet, but I also noticed that you were also going to talk about, you know, CPAC atheists. Oh, yeah, we um, haven't gotten to that. No, we were saving that to oh, the end. Okay. That's the okay, but go ahead. <laughs> but just go ahead okay. and just into it. That's fine. Well, I, just, I just wanted to uh, talk about an interview that I watched with David Silverman, um, actually not 45 minutes ago, um, and he was actually oh, talking with. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's really um, it's eye opening because they're talking about the concept, the Republican concept of small government. And basically, the person that he's interviewing is a Christian reporter. And, um, you know, she's actually defending, you know, both of them are actually alternatively defending the concept of small government. But then she asks, she's quizzing David Silverman on his concept of what a small government is and, you know, what his vision is for the Republican Party and why he is there as an atheist in the middle of a party that is, overwhelmingly Christian, and she's asking him about, why are you willing to be so divisive? And he actually says it's because so many atheists would be willing to embrace the Republican Party if they toned down their Christianism, and they toned down their, um, their what do I want to call it, if they toned down their dominionist strategies there would yeah. be far more atheists being willing to call themselves Republicans if they didn't invoke the idea that Republicans cannot be non-Christian. And I found that very interesting because right. so many of the, uh, I would say, so many, like David Silverman, you know, wants to back the concept of a small government, but the question that's not being asked is, when a government is small, who else is it actually in power? Who's going to be in place? Exactly. And what kind of corporations are actually going to be willing to step in and put their foot down if the government gets small enough? Um, uh, and he never answered that question. They never even talked about not. that. But that's a major implication for me because if you're willing to make the government that small where corporate interest can suddenly kind of sneak itself in the back door – 
then you really have nothing but corporate interests taking the reins of America and doing what they want as opposed to making government for the people. And she brought up something at the even though she was an absolute, I mean, the reporter that she was talking with, I mean, she was a true 100% dominionist, creationist, just all of that. And you're talking about, well, yeah, it's interesting, right? Even though I couldn't disagree with her on every point, she brought up something that I thought was very interesting. She asked him, what is it about the concept of small government that is appealing to you as an atheist who insists on freedom of thought? Uh-huh. I would watch that interview because I thought that that was very interesting of him to ask, and he kind of deflected. Just because I'm an atheist doesn't mean that I can't support small government, and it doesn't mean that I can't support this policy, can't support that policy, and what she talks, what she says is, but but you're saying that you don't want us to teach things like creation science in schools. You don't want us to teach things like, um, you know, the history of our presidents and their belief in God, or at least the so-called belief in God. You don't want us to teach those things. You don't want us to be able to teach creation science. You don't want us to be able to teach um, other policies that we back as Christians. You're willing to actually come in and say science should be taught by scientists, but who gets to say if you're saying that you want a government small enough so that they don't get to interfere with that, and where's our say as a result? And it's just like, wow, she just um, – exactly. she, she may have been an idiot on at least 95% of the conversation, but that other 5%, I don't see how he can get out of that because when your government is small, that's when you do get to legislate what you want taught in schools. That's when you do get to legislate corporate well, interests. See, this is, this is why – See the, because it, because if he really revealed what small government really means to him, right? Right. Then um, right. then he would he would stand to put off a lot of people in this community because um, you know Dave Silverman has already talked about some of the things that he's for, which you know involving you know um, you know basically unfettered access to to guns, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was he he's expressed a strong dislike for you know uh, Barack Obama and his policies. I'm willing to. I'm not. I don't know this for sure, but I'm willing to bet that he, like many white people in this country, resents what he sees as um, some of the advances that people of color mm-hmm. have made. You know what I mean? Exactly. With the civil rights movement, and I think that he's he's probably resentful of, of immigrants. And you know, as you can tell, you know, AA doesn't really have a strong commitment to um, diversity and whatnot, despite the fact that they have a few token members on their board. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're not really they're not really really interested in di- in matters of diversity. Um, I was somewhat disappointed. Um, to kind of hear, you know, and and I like Jamila. I really do. I don't think there's a, a way that you can really not like Jamila. Jamila is just a very sort of likable person. But I was very surprised that Jamila's speech at um, at uh, CPAC because um, you know she. It seems like to me she kind of threw immigrants under the bus. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And right. um, you know I don't I don't fault people who 
immigrate here for whatever reason, you know, be it economic or political or whatever for wanting right. to come here. I don't fault right. them for that. Um, I think that we can make room at the table. I think, I really think right. given the fact that our, that the baby boomers, you know, are all getting ready to retire. I think that we need to make room for them, <laughs> you know, okay. what I mean? so that we can expand our economy and, you know, hold on to some of these social safety nets and entitlements that we have, you know, but it's, um, I just thought that it would, I just, I, I really am bothered by this, uh, what it seems like a push to kind of right. reach out to the, not, not just to Republicans. Like we're not talking about like Repub- like normal Republicans. These are the, the furthest right of right. the right. That you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like these right. are the yeah, nut balls. These are the, these are the nut jobs of the party. You know what I mean? These are like the crazies, and yet we are there in the midst of them trying right. to reach out to them. That that really sort of disturbs me. And, and let me weigh in a little bit on this. Let me weigh in on this. In Massachusetts, I see you. Give me a few minutes, and we'll pull you into the conversation. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is that we talked about this last year about the CPAC atheists. And we still have people saying that they didn't know anything about this until I started posting links. Whenever they would say, well, I don't believe that, and I'd post a link, and they'd be like, well, I didn't know anything about it. Well, you should get out there and Google and see what's happening. Because last year, my stance was I love that. I love that they told you that I don't believe that, and then you gave it to them, and they're like, well, I never heard of that. (laughs) It's like, well, you don't believe it because you're not informed. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Or you don't want to be informed. Yeah, right, exactly. My stance this year is the same that it is last year. And as a matter of fact, I, you know, I have even more, you know, resolved in my stance this year. CPAC people, the people, the members of that, they are openly racist. You know, some of them are openly racist. Some of them are openly sexist, openly homophobic, openly transphobic, and a number of other things. And they're still attempting to recruit these people who aren't, aren't those beliefs the opposite of what we're supposed to believe over here? And then in the same breath, you got people over here saying, well, when I became an atheist, I was no longer a racist or a sexist, you know, and that's why I always talk about and I laugh. You know, it's like as though they've been washed in the blood of the four horsemen, like you hear, you know, religious people. I was once a sinner, but I was washed in the blood of Jesus, and now I'm white as snow. And I mean, it it sounds the same to me. And I don't understand because 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 all it is about, all it's about is is asserting that they have the more uh, the moral uh, superiority to Christians, right? It's about that's all it's about. And 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 on top of that, they're um, the only reason that they declare themselves um, anti-homophobic, you know, or, or whatever is the or what whatever whatever other category they're trying to be, you know, prove that they're morally superior in, is only so that they can attack the church. That's the only exactly. thing that they care about. Exactly, and see, right. and that's what right. I don't understand because they're trying to get in. Last year, they <laughs> their invitation was rescinded but they went anyway. And this year they had, a, you know, a spot to be able to speak. And it, it's just, it's, the whole thing is just absolutely amazing because it's like, you know, part of me is hoping that they're just trolling CPAC. 
You understand what I'm saying? I'm hoping that they're just trolling. But nah. I don't know. I know. Nah. I know. I mean, because I'm not asking this. You know, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this is the total opposite. And this why this is why I'm looking at some of these people who fall, you know, and march along with American atheists and goes along with everything that they say and do and, and, and want to, you know, be an affiliate of American okay, atheists. It's okay, though, because we know, we know that they're not successful because we all heard that golf clap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, when we try to to inform people, and I'm just talking about the regular people like us, to inform them of what they're doing in the direction that that organization is going in, they refuse to buy it. And, you know, one particular person, you know, was like, you know, Richard Dawkins is her hero, and she loves American atheists, and she's going to support them, and, you know, um, um, atheism is not like religion, and because she hates religion, and so it's, it's just, it's interesting. But people like that, it's like, you know, they are perpetuating white supremacy even more, and what they're telling, that they're trying to, you know, and I find it interesting that they put a, you know, a woman of color up there to give that speech, and, you know, what I find interesting is how they got her gussied up to get up there, but I'm like, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. You'll get to that. You know, I just find the whole thing, I find it disturbing. Um, it's actually quite frightening to me. And I'm just sitting here, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why I'm taking a step back. And looking at all of this, and for those who don't know, um, I dissolved the Black Skeptic Chicago group. That's no longer there. So, you know, because it's like this community, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm not liking what I see, not even a little bit. But let me pull this caller in. Let me pull Massachusetts into the conversation. Massachusetts, may we ask who's calling? Yeah, this is Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Um, I know both y'all. I know you, uh, Raina, how you doing? It's been a while. And uh, Kim, yes, yeah, uh, Matthew Justin on Facebook. My real name is uh, Matthew Page Lieberman. But um, mm-hmm. this this is, yeah, y'all can hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hello? Okay, sorry. Um, so this is actually, I want to start by thanking both y'all because there's really only about a dozen people, perhaps, that are talking about what happened this past week with what Jamila did in American Atheist. And there are a lot of people who are deafeningly silent. Because, like, you know, as Raina said, a lot of people like Jamila. Jamila is friends with a lot of people. A lot of people say, well, Jamila is my dear friend. I respect Jamila. Um, it's, it's kind of sad because I figured out what Jamila really represents four years ago. I spent a few hours with her. I was helping her out. I did a few videos for her. And she told me four years ago that she was planning to run for office as a Republican. You know, I don't really want to get into all this shit, but, I mean, there were quite a few other things that I, I will not share about her and what she actually represents and how transparent she was to me. And from the speeches she gives, she, it's, I mean, I think, you know, it's really uncomfortable when some of us, you know, we're dealing with cognitive dissonance and we see someone like we like, we respect. She seems, she seems like she's in a social justice. And then she gets up on stage and she says, you know, the conservatives were the ones who fought against slavery. You know, she says, this is real conservative. And, and we don't really understand it because she's been sporting, you know, natural hair. And then she's wearing, this, you know, she's all gussied up in this Fox News black Republican outfit. And so I'm saying, like, and we kind of feel like, well, maybe American atheists, they dressed her up as a Barbie doll. You know, or they gave her the words to say. Or maybe she's trolling us all. 
you know, or maybe, you know, it's all part of a hidden agenda. Like, she really wants to change the Republican Party. But, I mean, it's like when we're learning about science, and we have, like, this bullshit, you know, religious narrative where they say, you know, we used to think that, you know, the sun revolved around the Earth. And then when we started to take a step back and we started to realize that the Earth revolves around the sun, you know, and it's actually elliptical, and the moon revolves around us, we, had, we were able to start seeing things more clearly, not in this really kind of convoluted way where nothing really makes sense. We had to have all these really whacked out calculations to try to make sense of this shit. I mean, that's just part, you know, in science, that's like, you know, revolution of scientific thinking. But with people, with people, it's a little bit different, is that they can run game on us for years, and we have no idea because they're charismatic, they make us laugh, they make us feel special, and that's what politicians do. That's also what, you know, self promoting opportunists do. And when, when we right, yeah. like this, we're... you understand what I'm saying? No, no, go ahead, yeah. All right, well, um, so the thing is, I know what Jamila really represents. And when you really take a look at what she said and what she's done, it's crystal clear. It's not that she does not understand what the Republican Party stands for. She is a typical libertarian. You know, she wants everybody, like, you want gay people to be left alone. She wants all minorities to be left alone. But she also doesn't give a fuck about the poor. And she resents having to pay taxes to feed poor people. That she doesn't like. And, and Silverman does not like that either. There are people, it's not like they just be playing the game like, well, we're libertarians on Monday, or humanists on Monday, and then, you know, conservatives on Tuesday. I mean, there has been this libertarian takeover of the atheist community. All these motherfuckers like Dawkins, and who right. did Jamila name her kids after? She, she named it uh, Carlin Hitchens. Mm-hmm. She named her child after two white men. She's a black woman mm-hmm. who married a Jewish white man. They didn't name him after David you know, or Isaac or anything like that. She didn't name him after you know, one of her aunts or her grandmothers or anybody in her family. She named him after two white atheist men, and Hitchens is a guy who years after the Iraq war was over and pretty much the whole country was saying there were no weapons of mass destruction, Hitchens kept going on television saying, actually, there were. He, would, he, would, he kept saying that we really did find weapons of mass destruction and that the war was justified. And to this day, atheists don't want to acknowledge that about him. And, and there are, but there, like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to back up. So for centuries now, We've known that there are people that play this game of bread and circus, right? Today, we, you know, we might be watching reality television. We get worked up right. about what's on the news. Politicians and in the churches, they give all these sermons. You understand what I'm saying? And, they, and then there's professional sports, and they distract the fuck out of us so we do not see what they're doing. But all along, mm-hmm. there's been one group that's been in control. They look like me. You understand? They look like me. I'm white. I'm heterosexual, I'm a male, there are some things about me I don't want to say right now, but I'm not, you know, one of them. I am not in the 1%. I am not somebody who has been, who comes from a family who has been able to oppress people. And there are things about my family's history and why I hate oppression, why I always want to fight against seeing people hurt. But, you know, there is one group of people who for centuries, they have been fighting tooth and fucking nail to keep up, to keep from the smallest bit of oppression being moved away from people, from being lifted up. There was a group of people, you know, they fought against women, they fought against, you know, the abolished, you know, abolishing slavery, they fought against gay people. Today they're opposed to trans people being able to use whatever bathroom they want to use. 
And, okay. and the, one, the, the one last issue, the one last issue that's going to be the hardest fucking thing that they don't want to let go of is they want to see the poor perish. So, you know, yeah. as, as society evolves, as society evolves and we say, okay, well, now black people are no longer slaves. Oh, we're still going to lock them up. Okay, we're still going to get work out of them through these prisons. Oh, we'll figure out, we'll do this, you know, we'll do this uh, war on drugs. You know, we'll have, you know, slavery by another name in this mass incarceration. We'll still lock them up. We've got to be tough on crime. Oh, but we cannot, we cannot let women have control over their own bodies. You know, we can't, these gay people, that's the other shit I always hear from black nationals, the gay agenda. You know, it's all this fucking conservative shit to keep from any little fucking group just being able to rise up a little bit, to have that oppression uh, lifted off somebody's neck. Because these rich fuckers who have been in control for so long are so fucking scared. They're so scared that anybody could be the slightest bit less oppressed and come just a tiny fraction bit closer to the immense power that they have. You know what I'm saying? Like when the family, when the Walmart family, when this family of Walmart owns more than half of the wealth, or I don't know, something like 80% of the wealth of this country, more than mm-hmm. the, the Walmart family owns. You know what I'm saying? There is a big, big picture here. And a lot of us are thinking, well, you know, well, at least, you know, uh, Latinos are coming here. At least, you know, this new generation, they don't like the Republicans. You know, the Republicans are going to be on their way. But that's fucking, that's wishful thinking. You know what I'm saying? That's like wishful thinking because as long as they can keep gerrymandering all these districts, as long as they can keep us distracted on all this fucking bullshit, you know, that Obama is like this Muslim socialist terrorist, as long as they can keep us scared about Muslims, gays, black people, um, you know, communists, and all this, you know, all this shit, then they're still going to keep their power. That's what it's built on. And it's all, all, all about keeping this immense fucking wealth and keeping other people down. So they will play any game they can with us. And, and what Jamila did, she went there. She, she wasn't like, you know, she, that's what she supports. And we are not talking about that. We are not talking about what her wig, what that symbolizes. Some people are like, well, I can't believe she wore a wig. Look, Jamila wore, wore a wig this week. Right? And David Silverman, he had this poster. It actually says, conservative atheist matter. So he fucking co-opted the message of Black Lives Matter. That's right. what he yeah. did. So, yeah, so she wears this wig, you know, and she says, well, I'm a conservative. Conservatives treat the slaves. I'm part of the grown Republican family. Silverman has conservative atheist matter in October. Jamila's going right. to be back to her natural hair. And people be talking about Black Lives Matter at the Moving Social Justice Conference. So, you know what I'm saying is that's opportunism. And her hair, the way the wig comes on and off, is how her spiel, it changes. It changes on the crowd. But my, the other large issue is accountability in our community. What do we do? You know, what do we do when, you know, Jamila's going to be talking about Moving Social Justice. I know, I don't think she really gives a fuck. I mean, she doesn't want, like, you know, she, she has gay friends and stuff like that. You know, but she said, like, poverty is a social justice. I mean, that's a social issue. People starving is a social, you know, that's a fucking social issue. Because, like, if we really believe about humanism, if that's what we really value, then it means, if you take a look at the Humanist Manifesto, it's like only eight or ten paragraphs saying nobody read it. Ain't nobody really read it. We could talk about how much we know the Bible so much more than the Christians. But everybody says, well, I'm not a feminist, I'm a humanist. 
Right? I'm not a feminist. That's what they say all the time. I'm not a feminist. I'm a humanist. Or how could you say that? I'm a humanist. I, I believe in all people. But if they took the time to actually read eight to ten paragraphs of the Humanist Manifesto, it calls for redistribution of wealth. It calls for redistribution, equal distribution of nature's resources. And that, the Humanist Manifesto itself, has been watered down by these libertarians and these republicans that have infiltrated this community over the past few decades, and they're bankrolling it. They're bankrolling with the money, and that's what they want. They want to be able to say humanist because for them it's a standard for a good person. You know, say, oh, good right. person. Right, and that's why they're... Right, and that's why they keep why they keep trying to recenter the the narrative, like you said, by switching things to conservative atheist matter, talking about how atheist oppression, you know what I mean, and how atheists are the most oppressed group. I've actually seen people say that with a straight face, right. and it's just it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I have no I idea how they believe that. Check it out, but check it out. Let me here. But let me let me weigh in here because this is the thing, and I want people to pay attention because I'm always telling people to pay attention to different things, and I've been talking about this community, and I've been talking about you know the um, the libertarians that are trying to take over the narrative. Mm-hmm. I want you all to pay attention. There are some people of color in this community who don't give a damn about social justice. Their actions have said that, but now that they understand that that platform is important and that it may help them get to wherever it is they're trying to go, they're not, they are now co-opting the terminology and, and, and appropriating, you know, this movement. Right. And now they, they want to talk about social justice. If the leader isn't talking about social justice, they send a couple of their minions out to talk about social mm-hmm. justice or to talk about humanism when they didn't give a damn about humanism, you know, and, and but now all of a sudden they're interested in humanism and social justice, and then they want to redefine social justice and say the people, you know, um, advocate for social justice in different ways. And there are different types of social justice. That is correct. But you cannot make the definition up as you go along so that it will suit and they whatever keep, Right, exactly. They keep redefining you know? the definitions to what's convenient for them, you know, trying to trying to take social justice, the social justice aspect away from the, um, you know, National Day of Solidarity for Black nonbelievers and trying to give it some, you know, some generic, you know, more palatable definition, you know, for people who are not, you know, for social justice, trying to say things, empty things, you know, deepities, as, uh, you know, uh, James Randi, you know, used to say, you know, that, um, you know, something that sounds deep, but when you actually look at it, it means absolutely nothing. Like saying things like, we're going to make the humanist movement more human. Like, what the hell does that mean? You know what I mean? Exactly. And see, that's the whole thing. And I want people to pay attention because, you know, we've called a lot of this stuff out. And it's a whole bunch of things that more that we can talk about, but we kind of pace ourselves on this because it's like we don't want to give you too much. We're not trying to choke you with the truth. We want to give you enough that you can digest. But one thing that I will say to the people listening, you know, follow the money. Follow the money. Because one thing that I've learned in these past few weeks, and, I mean, seriously, it just it just bowled me over. I never would have guessed with some people. It's about the money. It's about the money. Yeah. It's about the power. It's about jockeying for position. And I'm seeing more and more of that. And, and, it's, about, and, it's, and it's also not just about the money and 
and sort of the sort of the the power in quotes, like you know, like having right. actual power. Right. Some people just some people are just satisfied being associated with power. Right. You know what I exactly. mean? Like some people, it makes them feel better. It gives them some sort of boost in their self-esteem or whatever to feel like they also have their foot on someone's neck. You know exactly. what I mean? In other words, in other words, the bandwagon is more important than the individual. Exactly. And, and what's interesting is some of these same people always talk about, you know, other people of color bandwagoning, but it's okay that you're bandwagoning with these conservative libertarian atheists. See, you're bandwagoning their shit, but that's okay though, right? But you don't want to bandwagon anything black because why? It makes them uncomfortable. And again, you know, uh, Matthew was talking about how, you know, Silverman was co-opting, you know, the language of Black Lives Matter. That happens all the time. Just pay attention. They do all of that shit. That's why on my on my profile I have just Lee Michael saying, I am Mike. I am not Charlie Hebdo. Not even a little bit. Let me make that clear. But, you know, I am, um, you know, um, Eric Garner. I am Trayvon Martin. They could be my brothers. Rakeem Rice, Ayanna Jones, Ayanna Jones. Yeah, and Ayanna Jones and Renisha McBride. Any of those, that that could be my sister. That could be my daughter. I'm old enough to have a 21-year-old daughter. And I sit here and I'm looking at this, but I have nieces and nephews. And, you know, they, you know, it's just, it's just it's heartbreaking because, you know, um, They've 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 told me how much um, my rallying and support of Ferguson means to them, and not only in Ferguson but just with the protesters all around. Because while I do not have children, I consider them my babies, and you know I will fight like hell to protect them and to make sure that they have a future. But if you have people like this, especially with the you know the secular community, and it's growing. More and more people are leaving religion. Some are coming over here. Some are staying independent. But it's growing. And this is why we have to be careful about who we allow out here in this community. And, I mean, you know, we don't control it. Just like, you know, no one can put me out of this community, I can't put anyone out of this community. But what I can do is correct your misinformation. What I can do is call you out on your bullshit, whether, you know, people in this community like it or not. This is my show. And I get to talk about whatever and whoever I want. I don't give a damn if it makes you uncomfortable. Because in order to have any type of movement, you need friction. Having mm-hmm. friction is not a bad thing. It's not a mm-hmm. bad thing. But now I'm going to continue putting the spotlight on people. I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so yeah, Matt, you was getting ready. You were getting ready to make another um, point about. Well, not um, really. You know, I mean, I probably talked for a half hour or something like that on the rant, right? So, <laughs> so, so but just, yeah, just so, something no, I want to no, get no, back no. to. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, all. But, okay. So, but I mean, the, okay, the, the funny thing is, the funny uh-huh. thing is, is there's a word, like, I, I think some of us are afraid to use, and that's token. And then there are some black mm-hmm. folks who want to be the token. You know, they're like, I, they, they play the role. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. play the role. Oh, oh, oh. I will be your black friend. I will be your Herman Cain. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're being hard And I'll, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. We talk about and, and all the time. What's that? And, and it's, it's oh. interesting you talk about, I would say it's interesting you talk about the whole concept behind tokenism because so many black people 
in the United States are brought up so that they are being that so that they are willing to even embrace the concept of being a token. You should be happy yeah. about being a token. You should be happy about being, you know, the black friend that everybody likes and that that you should like being held up as being that separate example that you're not like all those other you know, low black all those other black people. Not, exactly. Exactly. You're not, you're not like you don't yeah. talk like all of your friends down there that live in the hood that go to the same shit that you do. <laughs> but right. here's the thing that here's the thing you about should, them. Folks. It, it should be okay that you don't actually associate with those guys because they're they they're up to no good. And I've actually gotten into arguments with white atheists about that exact concept, that kind of separatism that says that because you come from this neighborhood or that neighborhood, that you shouldn't talk like this or that you shouldn't dress that way or that you shouldn't bring up that subject and that it's okay for you to make yourself feel better about the fact that you actually speak English and this and that and the other. And it's just like you're talking as if everybody actually wants to live like that. You're talking as if black people are doing nothing to actually change their circumstances. And that's bullshit. And I will argue, and this person who I love dearly, will actually say, I'm not arguing about this anymore. I'm done with the conversation. And it's just like, why? You brought it up. You made that statement. I don't like being separate from my black people. I don't like trying to make it sound like I'm trying to be better because I'm not better than my black friends that live in the hood. I'm just, I, I grew up with them. They have the same dreams as I do. They're just not given the opportunity, and I resent the fact that I'm supposed to be the token. Fuck tokenism. Right. I feel that. Exactly. Yeah. People get people get it twisted all the time just because you have a little bit of education or because you speak a certain way or you come from a certain neighborhood that you don't have a certain kind of politics. And uh, <laughs> they're always disappointed when they meet me. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, I'm just going to say, we talk about tokenism a lot. You know, I think that's the reason why we've um, stoked the ire of a few select people. But go ahead, hon. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah, there, there are some folks who get gassed up on it. But they will, like, there are some folks that I know, um, when, when these, I mean, let's talk about like, diversity, because I mean, the people that I see most of the time who've really been pushing for diversity are, you know, white liberals who kind of feel guilty, right? They want to have these photos with black people in the pictures. They go, they want to say, hey, I got black friends. And they want to have, like, black people that kind of represent, but they almost have, like, a taste of black folks. They don't really actually have to be in a community of black people. So they kind of, they import a black person here or there. And the black person, and then they put on, this is something I tried to talk, I was in a discussion uh, last year, and I was talking about the extra, not only is there, like, all the extra burdens that everybody has, you know, kind of lower you are on the hierarchy of this totem pole of this country, but we have, like, you know, so there's an extra burden. So they're bringing, like, a black person to their all-white group who has to basically teach them about diversity and, and has to kind of make them feel good and kind of kind of calm their uncomfort, you know, and, they're, and they get to, you know, they get to feel, wow, we, this is a diverse group. You know, and they don't have to feel kind of embarrassed that they only belong to, like, a white group that just represents a community. But the, the funny thing is, so, I mean, you, you bring in black people, they kind of always have to deal with those questions, you know, from white people in these groups. You're a black person. Let me ask you a question. Is this racist? I don't think Right. Racist. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but the other thing is that the black folks that tend to be brought into these groups are black people who grew up around white people. You understand? Right. Exactly. Like, they, work in, they work with white folks. They're in relationships with white folks. They live around white folks. You know what I mean? And they get to say it's diversity, but it's just like about as diverse as you go in a school that's like 95% white people. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, and they, and they like white, and they like black people who aspire to, to, to whiteness, right? Like they like white, they like black people who basically worship the Dawkinses, the Hitchenses, you know, the, these other people, and they never question you know, whether or not something that they're, that is being said is, you know, racist or sexist or homophobic, you know, they basically right. will just go along, you know. Before I get off, I just want to tell you all something, because I know, I know what Jamila really represents. I'm talking to her and things that she's even shared with other people or friends of mine, things that we didn't tell people for you. Oh, things that we didn't, uh, that was my computer. Things that we didn't tell people for many years because we knew that people would just be in total denial. We didn't know when she would do this. We didn't know how she would do this. But we figured eventually this is going to come out. She's going to come out of the closet as this conservative, as this Republican that doesn't care about poor people. We, but the thing is, if for those who haven't had these conversations with Jamila, for those who have not been around her when she's had a little bit too much to drink and she really says what she really thinks about poor black people, you know, for those who haven't, you know, haven't been like, you know, just one-on-one with her where she kind of shares something with you and you're like, wow, that's fucked up. You know, you can also stop these things in her speeches. There was a speech that she gave um, here at, at Harvard a few years ago, and, you know, I taped a few of her speeches. So, you know, I, was, I edited this. I, I gave it to the Harvard Committee because we were trying to get her a fellowship. I introduced her to her, Charles Ogletree. They're trying to get her a fellowship. She was thinking about either running, you know, getting a fellowship here at Harvard because she wanted to come here to Boston and live in the white area. She didn't want to go to Roxbury or Dorchester. She wanted to come up here or she wanted to be a politician. She wanted to run for office as a Republican. And the reality, and there is a certain perspective she has about poor black people and how far away from them she wants to be. Okay, but just in her speech, she gave a speech a few years ago and she said the average black woman and, and she, she kind of fucked up the statistics. She, she was, was kind of like crude, and she didn't really understand what the statistics were, and what age group and what she was talking about. But she said the average black woman has a wealth, of uh, a total wealth of $5. That's the male speech. So what happens is she's saying this to this all, mostly white group, upper middle class like liberals who are part of this humanist community at Harvard. And they all stand there. You know, a lot of white people, they got this latent racism. They think things, but they're almost embarrassed that they think them, you know, so they just kind of keep them inside. But then you bring out this black woman, and she says, yeah, these black, she says, you know, black women in America, they only, each one of them only has about, on average, only about $5. And then she moves into, and the most religious group in the country is black women. So what is she saying? What, what are the dots that she's trying to connect? She's also talking about black women are so religious, they give all their money to the church. That's why they're poor, because they're so stupid, these religious people. And you know, on the black 80s community, a lot of people, they use the C word. You know, they say, well, who is a coon? Who's not a coon? You know, and Jamila has been mm-hmm. in that game a lot. She's oh, look at these coons, ha-ha, these religious coons, you know? It's really, it's just fucking disgusting. But she plays that game. And, and what she does, though, is she very subtly does that. That's what she's saying. Look at these yeah. stupid religious people. That, and you know what she says to all these white people? She says, 
I know how you feel about how religious people are stupid, how black people are stupid, but you know what? They're stupid and they're religious, and that's why they're poor. Okay? You don't have to address this. You do and that's not the have same to. thing that Jeremiah Kamara said. I, I just I watched I watched the I finally watched the contradiction and that's exactly what Jeremiah Kamara said. He brought that and up. that's exactly I haven't followed him in years. He brought it up. Yeah. Yeah, he's what did he he's, say? Um, I'm sorry? What I mean, cause, but I'm saying Jamil is saying she's she's basically she's letting off the whole racist white power structure. She's, she's letting them off the hook, and she's saying this is black yeah. people. She's pathologizing black people as stupid and religious. And exactly. And, and, so does, and so does Mandisa Thomas, and so does Jamila. And, 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 uh, well, I, I, like, I haven't seen that to the extent that you've seen it with Jamila, and, and now that you brought it up, I'm going to have to go and research it myself. But I've seen it with um, Jeremiah Kamara, and I've definitely seen it with Mandisa Thomas. And I've seen it with a, a number of people in this community who support folks like Dusty and, you know, some oh. of these other ones. You know, so I I no, definitely no, no. know what you're talking about. Um, we may be going into overtime. It's like 19 minutes until the stream cuts off. The telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you dial in, you can listen to the rest of the conversation, the overtime. So please continue. Well, well hold up, Rainer. You're saying that Jeremiah Tamara... He does that, or he's pointed out. Yeah, no, dilemma. no, he, he, no, he does that. Like he, he basically says black people are poor because they're religious. He doesn't say that they're stupid necessarily, but he basically says when he when he tries to represent them as as not intelligent, he's he's basically yeah. representing them as non intelligent because they're religious. Mm. Yeah, well, that's disappointing. I mean, I. You know, I was yeah. I was promoting him years ago, and I wanted to take all of his episodes, you know, and I was going to put them all compile them and put them on like public access here. But then I was just like, watch, I'm like, he's got like a close up of a dog's ass. I'm like, yeah, what is this? You right. Know, like, right. It's like I'm like I'm not putting this shit on TV. I'm like, man, don't take this shit seriously. And he's one of these dudes like, you know, you got to shock him. You got to. I'm like, man, this is serious shit. You know, this is a well, I mean, I even, I even, I mean, but I mean, that's not even like, that's not even all of my issue with Jeremiah. Oh, he does, he definitely, he definitely pathologizes black people, but he also, um, he also pathologizes homosexuality, and he has this oh. really disturbing um, narrative about the emasculation of black men, and yeah, and he yeah, talks yeah. about that as having, as having, um, as a church having a major part in that. And it's just and yeah. because it supposedly caters to women, despite the fact that the church is overwhelmingly masculine in terms of power, right? And so, and yeah, there's a lot of... Too, go ahead. I would say, and let's point out, too, um, like his documentary that he came out with, take mm-hmm. a look at how many people, take a look at how many black atheist commenters are part of that Kemet bullshit. Right. Right. Well, see, you know. they're, they're not atheists. Those two that you're talking about, I know which two you're talking about. The one, neither one of them are atheists. One of them has his. Um, you're talking about Ray Hagan. He has this. Um, he has this pseudo, uh, pseudo Christian religious cult that he has in cult Atlanta, right? Cult yeah. So he's the, he's yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What? I said Hotep sermon. Well, no, it's yeah, okay. beyond Hotep sermon. It's it's, it's a pseudo it's a pseudo Christian 
cult that he has in Atlanta because this is what he'll do. He'll get up in front of everybody and say, well, we know that, you know, that the Bible isn't, you know, 100% true. Let's turn to Corinthians. You know, right. <laughs> it's like, that's exactly what he does. So he's, uh, it's, it's, he's, it's, 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 he said King James was a faggot or something like this. That's yeah, he did. He he says those kinds of things, but then he'll still pull out the Bible and and utilize the Bible to um, structure his sermons. Um, and he'll and he'll use. Yeah, he'll pull in. He'll pull in. You know. Um, you know, the whole like pseudo Egyptology crap that like Hoteppers use, and he'll you know pull in from other things and. You know, um, Ray Hagen's has some pretty disturbing things that he said about, um, you know, about, you know, social justice and things like that. Right. Um, say, I think, right. you know, I, I can't remember verbatim what he said, but I do remember one video where he basically was um, discouraging people from getting involved in the whole, uh, in all of the protests um, regarding Michael Brown. And um, I don't know, I don't know if he said anything about Trayvon Martin, but I do remember him saying that, we don't know what happened and all of this other type of stuff. And, you know, he, I've never actually seen where he's, um, he has affirmed, you know, done anything to um, affirm a social justice platform ever, right. you know? And, well, um, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you so, said, but I mean, like y'all talking about last year with Silverman. Okay. So there was this gigantic debate about, you know, we cannot, uh, how dare Silverman say that there's this, uh, non-theistic argument that could be made for uh, opposition to abortion. And then there was this whole big campaign about how we cannot debate abortion. We should not have it because our lives oh, are at risk. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Right. But this year, yeah. Jamila does this pitch to these fucking Republicans, and the silence is deafening from the same people. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, but you know what, I think, I think what it is, I think for some, I think for some of these people, and I'm not going to speak for everyone, I think that for the most part in the, in those communities, I think some of those people are in shock. And I, and the reason I say that is because I've seen some of their timelines. Some of them are just literally in shock because they, they did not (laughs) imagine that this would have been something that she would have done given their interactions with her in the movement. And I've seen them literally write that out. Hey, I, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying this is what I've seen in their timelines. You right. know what I mean? Well, so I mean, it's on, on Free Thought Blocks proper, there, there's yeah. like, it's, it's like it's, in Free Thought Blocks proper, it's like, it seems like there was a statement from high, y'all, we're just going to wait for this to kind of disappear because, you know, PZ has mm-hmm. two posts about it. And there are like three or four people who are really saying, no, this is what Jamil represents. This is what American atheists represent. Stop making all these bullshit excuses. You know, but, you know, PZ is saying that same shit too. Well, I'm convinced that American atheist David Silverman is trying to troll the Republicans. No, he's fucking not. Well, uh, you got to give credit to Jamil because she tried really hard. She was talking to all these people that she's really opposed to. I'm like, actually, she was talking to these people she fucking agrees with. Starve the poor. Right. Okay? She doesn't right. agree with them. But anyway... You know what I'm saying? Like, they are on mum. They're like, because my, my other problem is a lot of folks in this community, they do nothing offline. You cannot organize with them. They will yeah. not go, you know, they will not leave the computer and, and do something to try to get another candidate who, say, 
is going against Michelle Bachman. This was a few years ago. PZ and all them in Minnesota would not even mention the name of the candidate who was running against Michelle Bachman is one of the most racist, homophobic, Tea Party zealots in our country. And okay, exactly. These folks who use, huh? What's that? Exactly. No, we, yeah, yeah, because folks in this community, they use politics for their outrage junkies. They get to, they'll put all this shit about Tea Party, these Tea Party zealots, you know, and they go on and on how bad the Republicans are. And they will use not only, not only outrage junkies, they're addicted to the outrage and righteous indignation, but at the same time, they use politics just as, you know, some they could throw at the people that they're enemies. You know, so you, you, you piss me off about this thing or that thing. From now on, and I think you all know what I'm talking about. You know, this uh, war over sexism has been going on for three and a half years now. And that's only one of the conflicts. But what's happened is there are people on both sides of this rift who, who are beyond the pale, just full of hatred. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And they will use anything they can, any kind of political talking point to just say, look how evil and immoral our enemies are. But now when, like, I mean, Jamila, what American atheists did right now, this is beyond, like, this is fucking crystal clear. People don't even have to be like, well, did Shermer actually do it? Oh, I wasn't there. You know, they can't just fucking bullshit themselves about that. She got on fucking TV and she said this. And people, that's right. what I'm talking about. But is there even any back-channel conversation? Like, Wow. Well, you know, I think even more, I think even more than Jamila, I think I'm sort of bothered. I saw a video of, um, of, um, what's her name? Uh, Georgina, what's her name? The Rogers, Edwina Rogers, right? And she's, yeah. she was at uh, the CPAC meeting as well. And, you yeah. know, she, she was a, a lobbyist for the Republican, uh, for, on the Republican side for a number of years. And, um, you know, just the fact that she, sits on the Secular Policy Institute with Richard Dawkins and Michael Shermer, Michael Shermer, who has, who has um, gone out of his way to, dis, uh, you know, to basically um, diminish, you know, the, um, the, the evidence that's out there about systemic inequality in this country. Right. He has gone out of right. his way. He's, He's written... It. He, he's like, yeah. he gets women fucking drunk up, and then he fucks them. He's like fucking, like, he's an alcohol, that's his elixir. You know, he goes to yeah. these places, you know, and, and people make all these excuses. I mean, I'm just saying, politically, and as a person, this man is vile. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is vile. He is a vile individual, but he is Yeah, a he is vile. He is absolutely vile. And, and his book, and, I, and Kim and I talked about this on the show, he wrote this book, you know, called The Moral Arc. And, you know, he's trying to argue in the moral arc that, you know, science and reason are somehow responsible for, you know, our, our current course and that, you know, the world is becoming more moral and that's all because of science and reason, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I, was, I wrote in my piece and, and um, I can't remember which piece this was because I'm always making, you know, I'm always basically hammering on this same point <laughs> that, you know, we have this community that, um, you know, wants to argue that it's moral superiority and all of that, but won't acknowledge how science and reason have been used to, you know, basically pull that arc in the other direction, how it's been used exactly. to oppress people. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I things like that. So, you know, yeah. will talk about that. Yeah, she, no, she will. She will. There's very few other people that, other than Sakibu Hutchinson that will actually talk about that um, as a reality. See, but... And I, I think that, that, and I think that's, and I, 
Oh, I was going to say, and I was, and I was going to say, there is, um, and I was going to say, as far as Jamila goes, I think there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance on some people's parts because Jamila has that spar show and she's talked about some issues that are progressive. So some people haven't really associated her with the libertarianism that I think we're seeing now. So I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance, and I think as time goes on, I, I'm hoping that there will be more of a critique on Jamila. But I think I think for some people there still won't be because there'll be this there'll be this um, tendency not to want to criticize her because she's black, and people right. not wanting to criticize her in, 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 so that they won't be. Yeah, yeah, because because people don't want to be seen as racist, right? And she's likable, so then therefore people won't want to criticize her. So we'll see. Yeah. But Michael Sherman gave an interview to Sam Harris um, about the book. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, and when me and Raina, because Raina saw it first, she sent it to me, and I read that shit. And so Raina <laughs> was driving home, and we were talking about it. And I broke, I was just in one of those rare, very lucid <laughs> moments. I broke that article down so hard I had to take a nap. And I'm like, I think we're going to have to do it. <laughs> well, and I was reading it because I'm like, it just gives me headaches. And the thing is, is that we do this show to educate people, and that's why I say we want them to go out to do some research on their own. But in some cases, we we kind of have to break it all the way down to, you know, the white meat, if you will. And it's it's just interesting because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in this community are treating the, the so-called celebrities in this community the same way that the religious people do with their pastors and you know, touch not mind anointing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Touch not mind anointing. Exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay, so so we all know, like a lot of us know libertarians or Republicans, they, they have this justification that they use, which is... Um, that they can morally argue that it's unfair to tax them, you know, to take away their their, their money, to tax them or whatever. But at the same time, they're not immoral because they don't want the poor to starve. So what they say is, well, yeah, we'll as what that that, old, that dude years ago you know, said he wants to uh, impoverish government, you know, small enough that he could drown in the bathtub, right? So there are libertarians who want to impose, they, they say they want to weaken government, you know, it creates dependency, the poor, you know, they get addicted to it, like they're not addicted to all the money and the military contracts and all the bribes, right? But they, t- they talk about, you know, they want well, let's make government small. Government should not be in the job of charity because we, and we right. don't have to worry about the poor because the churches exist, you know. Exactly. There's something else. So there's something else. Okay. And now, the libertarian atheists are further than that, my friends, okay? Because they uh-huh. also want to abolish the church, and they are opposed to even the fact that the poor get help. They want this. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to tell you a true conversation. I will not tell you who said it. I will not tell you who was there to hear it. But years ago, okay. there was a, uh-huh. an atheist speaker. Hello? Yeah, okay, go ahead, there? Yes, yeah, yeah. there was an atheist speaker. This is years ago. This is a very charismatic popular, beloved atheist speaker. And this atheist speaker was in a crew of a few people. It was after a conference. People are drinking and talking. This person says, why do I have to pay my taxes? Or why do I have to pay so the people in those cities, that city, 
you know, to, to feed them or for them? Or why do I have to pay taxes? Why do I have to pay for people in, in that city, okay? And people were a little surprised, you know, because this is kind of the first time this person said this thing, you know, and then it's something like this. And then a little bit later in the conversation, it, it gets onto the issue of, you know, religion, because this is a speaker and this is an event. It's one of these atheist or humanist events, okay? And the person mm -hmm. says, well, I want to abolish religion, okay? I want to abolish, and, the, and then somebody in the group says, yeah, but there are people who depend on, there are people who right. depend on the church to survive and they need it. And this person actually responded, well, collateral damage, okay? Wow. But let me tell you, honey, this is what I have been telling people for four years on this show, that the Republicans are tricking the religious people. They're tricking them into trying to basically um, abolish these quote-unquote entitlement programs and put that burden on the church. And then you have people in this community that's trying to take it even further and trying to abolish the church. So then what are the people going to do? Because they have nowhere to go. And there will be anarchy in the streets, and this is why last week I said if I have to, I will fight on the front lines with the Christians and the Muslims against the atheist community because this is wrong on so many fucking levels. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. And you have people yeah. out of here, especially in this atheist community, that do not believe in social justice. I've been talking about how we can open offices and have our own little light heat program, which is a federal program, but to help the people in need in the community. If you all are trying to take it away from this one group, which is which are the religious, then we need to do something to try to help them. And, you know, I, I, you know it's like this. One of the reasons why I shut my group down, you know, it's a, it's a few reasons, but the one I'm going to talk about is because see, people want to drink, drug, fuck, party, you know, all of this, you know, and lead this hedonistic life. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do. But I get a lot of lip service about social justice, oh, this, that, any other. But when we go out for National HIV Testing Day or World AIDS Day or different things, nobody wants to show up when I'm at the food bank packing boxes. Kim, talk, and, talk about that time. Talk about the time that you were talking about um, doing uh, World AIDS Day and giving out condoms and someone said that, um, tried to convince you that that was stupid or unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, trying to convince me that it was stupid and it was unnecessary. Well, what we need to do is start giving condoms out to people in this secular community because some of them ain't using protection. But that's another story. Right. But, um, you know, but the thing is, is that, you know, it's all a plan to basically decimate the poor or force them back into indentured servitude. And this is how I'm saying it. And there's no other way to kind of get around it because it's like they're trying to abolish the minimum wage, which means they want to pay you whatever. They, it's, it's just crazy. You, we have to start looking at what's happening. The results will be. And I'm like, you know, people aren't looking at the big picture. And what's so interesting about, you know, some of the people of color in this community, I guess they, they're jockeying to be the new overseers, if you will. And I'm just like, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And I'm like, I've broken it down so many ways. I've given myself a headache. But we got to keep on. We got to keep pressing that. Keep putting that out there. But Matt, with that right there, you're absolutely correct. They don't. Hello? So they're trying to create a new peonage. That is what's happening. And I'm looking at people and I'm like, why aren't, you know, why aren't you all getting it? Pay attention. Research. 
research, pay attention to what these people are saying, but most importantly, pay attention to what they're not saying. And again, they're trying to appropriate and co-opt the social justice movement, the language, terminology, because it's popular right now. But they don't give a shit one way or the other. And it's just amazing because what they're trying to do is basically force out those of us who actually believe in these things, who are actually out here doing it. And what I'm finding interesting is just some of the people that are in this community who are pro-social justice, but it seems as though they're genuflecting and kissing the ass. Give a shit. And I'm fucking Mm -hmm. surprised. Anyway, you know what, Tim, I don't know what's going and, on and with I your think, line, but you keep going in and out, just so you know. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Well, I hope you all got the gist of what I was saying anyway. I got I got the gist of it. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> no, I got you. Okay. And, and, let me, and let me say something else about that, too. Um, it's interesting, too, that it, it's okay to not focus on social justice until their family is affected and their friends are affected and their communities are actually affected. Um, And speaking about, like, you know, the church and trying to get rid of the church, you know, there are actual programs out there. There are atheists out there who are actually struggling, who are trying to put food on the table, who are actually trying to struggle to go to college. People like me who are actually living with their parents who are Christian, okay, and who are genuinely caring individuals. And I'm not about to sit here and tell somebody that when they're poor, that they shouldn't actually go to the church, that they shouldn't actually go to that food drive, that they shouldn't actually go into that hot meal that they're offering Uh during the summertime, during the fall or springtime. Because, like it or not, the church does a damn good job of providing for the black community. Exactly. We may have differences of opinion on theology. We don't believe in what it is that they hold as supernatural beliefs, but they do a very good job of actually upholding the communities as best they can. And I'll be damned if I sit here and allow an atheist organization to say that the church is useless. They're not. And I've actually seen atheists on Facebook actually beg for help, actually beg for donations, putting up GoFundMe accounts, begging for anybody to help them, in their hour of need. And guess who's doing that? The church, their church friends, exactly. their Christian family, their Christian yep. communities. And yep. guess what they're saying afterward? They're saying, I may just have to go to church to actually get my, get things like my electricity turned on to get my but kids. I also want to make another to point. Kids, I, right. I was going to make another point. Daycare out of the way, okay. stuff like that. Yeah, I just want to make another point going off of what we've been talking about in terms of people basically casting black Christians and um, the you know as stupid, right? And the church is like this unnecessary institution. I think that what you'll find among a lot of people who express that opinion is that a lot of them also denigrate other black institutions. You know what I mean? There's this there's this notion that something is defective when it comes out of the black community or our culture. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or, or, or when it's not regarded as defective, it's, it's regarded as some kind of novelty that they can use as entertainment. You know what I mean? So, um, okay. you know, it's, it's, it's just the notion that anything that comes from people of color 
is somehow worthless until someone finds a way to make it, um, make money off of it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and that's what you see in pop culture, and that's what you see in in, in the atheist community as well. You know exactly. So. See, and that's the thing, because, I mean, I've been saying that. I'm like, the people in this community won't even help fellow atheists that need help. So you know they don't give a damn about anybody in the Christian community or the Muslim community or the Hindu or the Buddhist or what have you. They simply do not care. And, And this was the point that I've been trying to make to people. And it's just the whole thing is interesting, but I made a comment to someone the other day, and I meant this, and I mean it now. I'm at the point that I would rather work with and deal with the religious community and not this community. You know, as far as trying to get some programs up and off the ground, getting people to help out. Now, mind you, even in the church, they have a hard time getting volunteers. But, you know, um, just behavior and the mindset that I've seen in the secular community, I have been extremely disappointed. You know, and, and even, you know, and in all fairness, you know, some of these people that are throwing all these parties, you know, there's only five or six people showing up to those particular parties. So, you know, that's, you know, they're not even, many of them aren't even, um, you know, doing that. But just some of the culture that I've seen overall is absolutely disturbing. And what's even more disturbing is when you have people coming up to us and telling us, well, maybe you shouldn't talk about this person or maybe you shouldn't talk about this issue. But these are things that need to be talked about. Otherwise, you know, we're doing the same thing we're accusing the church of, and that's, you know, suppressing information. Go ahead. Right. You know, I thought we were free thinkers that could be willing to talk about what needs to be talked about at any time. I thought we weren't actually afraid of addressing subjects that made us uncomfortable. We had enough of that from church. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from on a lot of this. And there's a lot of good that needs to be done. But I'm just starting to, you know, really understand that most people just don't give a shit. You know, and we have a lot of narcissists in this community and it's all about them, and you know, Raina and I have talked about the middle of maniacs in this in this community, and it's amazing. It's amazing because it's like a mirror image of the things that we're that we so called condemn and say are bad. They just brought it over here, and they're just going to repackage it because it's a lot of groupthink over here. You have a mob mentality with a lot of people, a lot of that religiosity. And it's like I've worked too hard to deprogram myself from that than to come over here and let someone try to put it back in but put a new spin on it and throw, you know, a couple of, um, you know, Latin terms to it. No, it's not that simple, and I'm not that easy. So it's just it's amazing. <laughs> I just I just don't get it, you guys. I really don't. I don't. Now, was I yeah, going in and out then right now? I'm sorry, what? I was wondering if I was going in and out there, but go ahead, Red. You were saying? No, 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 you're fine now. It seems to have stabilized now. Okay. Um, the way the way I look at it is that at the very minimum, um, when it comes to working, you know, with groups and doing things like, you know, service for the homeless, serving in soup kitchens, the way I think of it is that whoever needs the help, I'm going there. It doesn't matter if it's That's an right. atheist organization or whether it's the church or whether it's exactly. a church community. I'm going there. And, you know, like groups like I think one of the groups that I've actually slowly been, you know, putting myself apart in are like the Unitarian Universalist groups 
who work with, you know, the Quaker communities and the Christian communities on behalf of social justice. You know, I've actually been going to their sessions and, you know, going to their church and going into their communities and saying, and actually working with those who happen to, it doesn't matter whether you're religious or non-religious, because we're all working for each other. We know that if there isn't a God, all we have is each other. Right. That's the real message that we should actually be putting out there is that we as human beings have to help each other because it benefits us and our children and our grandchildren. And, you know, when you have people that are taking their eyes off that ball and saying, well, no, it's all about this instead of actually trying to create a better community. And really, I mean, if you're a humanist, why wouldn't you be wanting to create a better community, creating a better world for those around you? Why shouldn't that be the focus? Um, I also exactly. want to say that even though even though that is true that a lot of you new churches are actually really good about being involved in social justice and, and being um, communities um, that embrace, you know, people of different backgrounds, you know, you still have to deal with a lot of the same bullshit in some of those churches, too. So, you know, we have to oh, yeah. keep, 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 keep that in mind. But, um, but certainly, I mean, I, I feel the same way that you do. I'm willing to work with anyone who's willing to get out here and do this important work and anyone who's right. willing to, you know, com- confront, you know, homophobia, you know, sexism, racism, you know, systemic inequality, you know, these are the things that need to be addressed, you know? Right. Um, but I, I, and I also wanted to uh, mention one thing, you know, when, when, when a lot of the, you know, CPAC atheists and even when certain like black atheists, when they say, I don't understand why black people are religious, that's bullshit. They know damn well why black people are religious. Mm -hmm. They know damn well why black people go to church and they know, they should know the history of the black church. They should know that it was the institution that actually helped them have a voice when they were being oppressed by their white overlords during the Mm -hmm. slave history, during the civil war, pre the civil war, we had things like African-American churches, and at that particular time, the African-American church was the sole voice that allowed our black communities to have a say. And to simply say exactly. that you don't understand why that's the case, so that's cognitive, that's willful ignorance. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I will say about that speech that was given at CPAC and about the Republican Party being the one that freed the slaves, you know, I don't know what they, I mean, but this is something that I learned in grade school, and it shows how the party switched, and it shows the Dixie Pact, and it showed how all of this switched over, and it talks about, you know, I was taught about the New Deal, and again, again, this is grade school, so I'm not understanding, you know, that particular faux pas, if you will, but, um, it's just interesting, and like I said, I was floored, absolutely floored. And, again, this is basic history, basic history, because those those races and sexes and homophobes over at CPAC know good and damn well that they ain't freed no slaves. They trying to create some new ones. So, you know what? I'm sorry, y'all. I just was looking at the Twitter I was just looking at Twitter, and, you know, some of these people are really, really crazy. I mean, they're sitting up here um, talking about how Jabila is being treated unfairly as a person of color, uh, and knowing damn well they have <laughs> never cared about any person of color before Jamila Bay. They only care about Jamila Bay right. because she's over here 
you know, backing up their, you know, their push for regular white guy status. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's all right. they care about. Did they tell anybody We're treating Jamila Bay unfairly, but, you know, all those kids being shot in the streets by corrupt police officers, they, just, they earn that. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Really so now they're going to take tackles and show some righteous anger and passion about how they feel Jamila is, you know, being mistreated. But see, that's the reason why they put her up there in the first place. She was a black female. So they thought that it would limit or diminish any type of, you know, critique or challenge. And, you know, again, this is a game. And this is why, you know, we're telling people, and I'm like, you need to open your eyes and understand what's happening. Because, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty much well known that David Silverman wants to run for an office one day. So I'm like, you all need to pay attention to what's happening out here. This is not by mistake. This is, you know, something that they've been putting together for a while. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, the whole thing. And I'm I like how they put the black people. No, did you catch how they put the, all the black people together at CPAC? Because <laughs> they never went right on before Ben Carson. <laughs> and they were like, okay, now we're done with the black section. Let's move on. <laughs> They're like, now we got that done with. <laughs> okay. Oh, that is funny as hell. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. The whole thing, and especially with what happened to a young woman that I won't name um, in our community when she had to cover the Republican National Convention, and she was one of the camera persons, and they started, you know, talking shit, and I think they were throwing they bananas, threw bananas and, at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. They called exactly. her all kinds of monkeys and told her that she didn't belong there. Exactly. Exactly. And and this is why I'm sitting here, and I'm absolutely amazed. But you're going to have people that are going to follow suit, and, you know, then they want to turn around and call other people sheeple. But you're doing what these people are telling you to do. And going back to something that was stated earlier by Red, when he was talking about the church being there for people, yes, and the church to a certain degree, is one of the last vestiges, you know, keeping us or trying to hold off white supremacy. And, you know, it's just, it's once the church is gone, you know, if that happens, then, then what? Then who will we turn to? It won't be anybody there. It won't be anybody there to, you know, help you with your gas and lights because this is the thing. The the secular community aren't going to open up offices. They've already pushed that off of the federal government as far as entitlement programs and giving it to the church. So when the church is gone, these programs are gone because they won't have anybody there to set up the programs. And even those of us that will be around, if we try to set it up, you know, basically I just see people just, you know, coming out and absolutely trying to stop us from helping people and to make any progress. You know, and it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But we got to do that. Uh, apparently, apparently not everyone on Twitter was a big fan of Jamila's uh, CPAC uh, performance. So I'm, oh, I'm I, just there, 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 five people. Five of us who were like going off on it. 
But but even yeah. if people are critical, nobody wants to say her name. They'll just talk about yeah. American atheists and stuff like this. But um, anyway, like you know, atheism is is like a sports. You know, it's it's like football or something like this. You know, and people they they get so much into it. And in the end of the day, you know, I mean, they belong to the team. They got their favorite team. And they hang out with you know the, the other fans. You know what I'm saying? And all kinds of sports players. But like at the end of the day, like you know, it's, it's kind of a distraction. You know, it's kind of a distraction with on TV and atheism too. And you have like a lot of people. They're saying, well, the most important thing to me is that we separate. You know, or that the religious no longer have the privilege. And and like that the and so I'm going to join American Atheists. You know, I want to be on the board of directors. And and the fact is, is like, yeah, secularism is growing in this country, period. I mean, that is kind of, that is happening. You know, there's going to be more, it's going to be more normalized. It's not believed. These folks who are jumping, who want to join the, the board of directors, I'm like, please, can we cut the bullshit? You know, it's like you want to get on the board of directors because you see a way that you can gain by it. You know, you can have more exactly. ac- access to power. Okay? So let's stop mm-hmm. all this bullshit, you know? Right, like they're doing something humanitarian by joining the board of right. directors or something. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, the whole... Go ahead. Yeah, so we're doing something noble because I'm right. just sitting here because all they're doing is, you know, enriching themselves, you know, trying to make their pockets fatter, but in addition to that, create their own cults and then also trying to get the power to shut down people who are telling what's really going on in the background, you know, because there are some people who are not happy, uh, and then what I need to tell people is, I really haven't told you much of shit. You know, if I start talking about what I really knew was happening, you know, it, it you know it will cause more of a backlash than I get from that um, February 6th show, okay? And so it, it's just interesting, but anyway, go ahead, dear. I don't know. I'm all, I'm all tapped out. Yeah, I'm I'm all tapped out for today. I need to I need to go I need to go and relax <laughs> and watch some House of Cards and and chill out. That's what I need. To do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, I guess I would like to thank Raina. I would like to thank Red Ninja, Matthew Page, Lieberman. Thank you for calling in. You know, thank you all who are listening. You know, who listen live into the archives. And there is so much more to talk about. And next week, we will be talking about the high cost of poverty. You ready for that, Raina? Yeah. Um, is, I don't know if Michael Shermer is, but I am. Okay. We're going to talk about high cost of poverty. So just to kind of give you a heads up, so if you all want to take a look at some things ahead of time, we'll be talking about Ferguson and how Ferguson blew the lid off of how some of these municipalities and cities and towns are basically um, built upon, you know, charging exorbitant fees and and fines to people of color who then they turn around and employ white people. And it's just pay attention. And just the high cost of poverty, we'll be talking about some James Baldwin and a number of other things, but it's not just Ferguson. This is happening all across the country. And these are things that we've been talking about for a while, but Ferguson just blew the lid off of it. And this is why some people are walking around saying that they didn't know. They didn't know all of this was happening. And so we want to talk about, you know, how expensive it is to be poor, because it really is. So we'll be knocking that out the box next Sunday, 10 a.m., 
And okay, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We talked about a lot today. We covered a lot of ground. Go do your research for yourself. That is the only way you're, you know, I, I want to encourage that. So, you know, keep sending me the inboxes. Keep sending me the emails. We care about you. We love about. We love you. We really do. And so on that note, we are out. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all calling in and being a part of the show today. So much more ground to cover. Take care. Thanks for Thank second blessings. Blessings. Say that again, hon. Oh, okay. peace and secular blessings. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye.